appreciate the uh, special music that our members play for us. You got to use those gifts that God has given you and uh, share them with others. So we really do appreciate that. Well, we've come to the main message portion of our service today. So uh, let's open our Bibles. And as we do, we'll start with prayer. Heavenly Father, we'd like to thank you once again for being such a wonderful God. Uh, we thank you that you love us, even though we're not worthy of your love, because that's the kind of God you are. Uh, you loved us first while we were still in our sins. And uh, we thank you that you continue to love us, and you will always love us, and we're special to you. And you've done things to uh, make us feel special, and we really do appreciate that. So we just want to tell you that we love you, and uh, we pray that you open our eyes to take in the scriptures that we read today, not just our eyes, but our hearts, and make them real to us. Help them to change their, our lives, Lord. Thank you, and we pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, we're going to start off today in the uh, book of Ephesians, chapter 1. So let's turn there as we speak. Ephesians chapter 1, and we'll begin in verse 13. Paul here is talking about our special standing with God, the God of the universe. And it's all because we have accepted His Son Jesus as our Savior. And Paul says this, verse 13, And you also were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, that is the gospel, the gospel of your salvation, Having believed, you were marked in Him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of His glory. Now, the title of this sermon is Sealed with the Holy Spirit. As Paul just said right here, we're going to dig a little deeper and see exactly what that means to us, to be sealed with the Holy Spirit. Now this word for sealed uh, represents a stamp that they used to use back in Jesus' day to identify something as someone's possession. Now something that we could compare it to have any of you ever gotten something notarized? Have you ever gone to the bank or to wherever? There's an official who can make whatever paper you have stand out as something special or official. Uh, and that's required in our day today so that people will know that this document is authentic. So maybe it's you sign it and they notarize your signature, meaning that I have witnessed this signature and it is authentic. That's the same word that is used here. You know, back in Jesus' day, certain things were sealed. It talks about uh, parchment or scrolls, especially in the book of Revelation, that were sealed. And then somebody had to come along and break the seals and open up the scrolls to read them. Well, they were sealed because they were official. They were the Word of God. And when you opened that seal, you knew that nobody changed this. Whoever originally wrote it, nothing was changed, nothing was altered. It's authentic. So the same word is being used here, that somehow God has sealed us 
when we first believed, when we heard the gospel, when we made a decision to accept Jesus Christ as our personal Savior, now we know that he died for the sins of the world, but what's required of us is to make a personal decision that, yes, Jesus, I know you died for the sins of the world, but I want you to be my Savior. I want your death on the cross to pay the penalty for my personal sins. And as soon as we make that decision, and of course we know that we're baptized along with that decision, we make the decision to be baptized, somehow God marks us for identification. We are identified from that point forward as God's children in Jesus Christ. So we're marked with a seal, and that seal that we're marked with is the Holy Spirit. So each and every one of us who are believers have been marked, we have been sealed once we came to believe and accept Jesus as our, our Savior. And furthermore, this Holy Spirit, he says here, is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance. So God's not going to lose us. He's not going to lose sight of us. He knows who we are. And we're marked like that with a seal, the seal of the Holy Spirit from that day forward. It starts when we believe and it continues through to Jesus' return and the day that we receive our full inheritance. So that is special. Now, why is that? Why does God bother to do that? Well, I think that there are several reasons why, very important reasons that we should never take for granted. I think I have three different things that I'd like you to consider, and we'll pull up a couple of scriptures to further describe what I mean here. So the first thing to consider is that a seal from God, this seal denotes ownership. We are now God's property. Now, why does that have to be an issue? Well, I want you to consider this. There are a lot of beings in existence today that we don't normally see because they're spirit, but there are a lot of beings that are very much opposed to God. And we know that that's Satan and all of his followers. They're very much opposed to God, and uh, they're enemies of God. And being enemies of God, they're also our enemies. And even though we can't see these beings, we should never take them for granted. So God wants to identify, not that he's going to forget us, but perhaps it's for the purpose of others that we are identified as God's people. And we are sealed and we are marked with the Holy Spirit. And this is very important because if we did not have this identification, uh, nobody would know that we were God's people and we could be treated like anybody else. Notice what it says in 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 19. 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 19. 2 Timothy 2 verse 19 says this, Nevertheless, God's solid foundation stands firm, sealed with this inscription, The Lord knows those who are his. The Lord knows those who are his. Who are his. Now, I know my kids. You know your kids. 
Sometimes we can identify them by the sound from across the room. We hear them talking, or we hear them laughing, or we hear them crying. I know mothers can really identify their kids. You know, in a room full of babies, my wife could identify any of our kids if they were crying across the room for whatever reason. She'd jump up and say, oh, they're in trouble. One, that's one of my kids. And she'd go running over there to, to find out what the problem was. And maybe one of them fell, or maybe one of them's upset for some reason, especially when they were very young. God identifies us even more closely. He knows us better than we know ourselves. We are very important. Each and every one of us are very important to Him. And He knows who are His. Now, Jesus certainly fell into that category. Notice what the Bible says about Jesus himself, John 6, verse 27. Do you think that Jesus was identified by God? Of course he was, his one and only begotten Son. It, Jesus said this in John 6, verse 27. He says, do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you on Him, that is on the Son of Man, on, on Jesus Christ Himself, on Him God the Father has placed His seal of approval. So the very same seal is on us. The same seal that God placed on His only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, because we know Jesus Christ had the Holy Spirit without measure, we have the Holy Spirit as well, and we have the seal of God on us. God knows exactly who we are. He knows exactly where we are at any given time. He knows our exact condition at any time at all. So it's also a seal of approval. Because we have been covered with the blood of Jesus Christ, our sins have been forgiven, and we're leading a new life, walking in a new life in Jesus Christ and in the Holy Spirit. So Jesus was sealed as having the Father's approval, and we are sealed in a similar way because of Jesus Christ. And we need to realize who we are in Jesus Christ. We're children of God born-again children of God. So this seal is very important to God, but it's also very important to others. And this is the second point. A seal denotes protection. A seal denotes protection. Not only does it denote ownership, and we are God's people, it also denotes protection. Just a couple of examples of this in Revelation chapter 9. Revelation chapter 9, verses 3 and 4. Revelation 9, verses 3 and 4. It's talking here in uh, very symbolic language because uh, the book of Revelation is apocryphal writing which was a type of language used back in Jesus' day which involved much description, illustrations, analogies, and that sort of thing. And notice what it says here, talking about destruction and talking about troublesome times coming over the earth. It says, And out of the, the smoke locusts came down upon the earth and were given power like that of scorpions of the earth. 
But notice, they were told not to harm the grass of the earth or any plant or tree, but only those people who did not have the seal of God on their foreheads. So these people on the earth are subject to demonic powers. They're subject to destructive powers and terrible times on the earth. And it's going to fall on the people who are not sealed by God. So you see, this comes under the, the, the terms of protection. It seems from this passage that God's people who have been sealed are not going to be affected by terrible suffering and terrible times on the earth. So being sealed by God protects us in many ways. And like I said, Satan and his followers, the spirits that follow him, even though we can't see them, you know what, they're all around the world. And they can be, you know, near to us as well. But having been sealed by God makes a difference. They are not allowed to affect us. They are not allowed to harm us as they could and do harm other people on earth who are not God's children, who have not accepted Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. Yes, we're all God's children in the sense that we're all human and we're, we've all been created by God and made in His image. But something special happens in our relationship with God when we accept Jesus as our personal Savior. That's when we're sealed. That's when God's protection is impressed upon us. And I wonder sometimes how many times we have escaped things because we've been sealed by God. Where maybe Satan you know, sought to affect us somehow, but all of a sudden they realize, well, wait a minute, this person is special. We can't do anything we want to this person because of that seal the seal of the Holy Spirit, and then they have to back off. Now, certainly, that doesn't mean we're never going to face trials or, or temptations or anything like that. We all remember the story of Job, where uh, Job was you know, doing his best, trying to be a righteous man, and there was a conversation between God and Satan. And Satan was saying to God, and again, this goes back to Job chapter 1, well, yeah, yeah, Job's trying to do uh, the right thing and he's trying to be a good guy because he knows that you're going to bless him and just take your blessings away from him and you'll see the real Job. Remember, God, uh, God said to Satan, you know, Job's a righteous man and he's going to obey me no matter what. I'll prove it to you. So uh, he told Satan, you can do whatever you want to uh, Job, take away a lot of his possessions, even you know, allow uh, bad things to happen to some of his loved ones, but don't do anything against Job. You keep your hands off of him as far as taking his life. So Job went on and time went on and there was great disaster to his property, to his land, his animals were killed, his uh, loved ones were uh, encountering a lot of trouble, physical trouble and emotional trouble. And even Job himself was covered with boils and went through all kinds of other trials and tribulations. But Satan wasn't allowed to take his life because he had been set apart as special by God. So you see, Satan can only go so far. All the things that happen to us are with God's approval. And sometimes God does approve us to go through trials, to teach us lessons, to help us build character, godly character, patience, and uh, focusing on God, and you know, praying to Him, 
And we tend to do that more when we're going through trials, don't we? But the only things that can happen to us are the things that God allows. Amen. Why? Because we've been sealed by God. Amen. Sealed for protection. Notice in Luke chapter 22, scripture from the Gospels here. Luke chapter 22. In verse 31. Luke 22 and verse 31. This is something that uh, Jesus says to Peter, the Apostle Peter. Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you as wheat. So this is something that actually happened. <laughs> Satan wanted to get his hands on Peter, the Apostle. Because Peter was a leader amongst the apostles. He was a very, uh, uh, how shall I describe him, uh, take charge type of guy. He was very bold in everything that he did and said. And he kind of set the tone for the rest of the apostles in many ways. And Satan not only hated Jesus, but he also hated the apostles. And in fact, he hates us too because of who, who we belong to and what we're doing, he, because we're preaching the gospel, and because of the preaching of the gospel, other people are being called to salvation, and Satan hates that. He hates everything about God. So in this one instance, he wanted to get his hands on Simon, Peter, and do what to him? Sift him as wheat. Now, what exactly does that mean? Well, it's not a good thing, because if you know wheat, uh, I remember my wife used to have one of those uh, blenders, what was it called, a Vitamix. And to make bread, you start off with, with all of these wheat kernels and you put it in there and you hit the button and it starts grinding all of these wheat you know, kernels into, eventually into flour so you can make bread out of it. And it was not a good thing to be in the blender, <laughs> okay? That's what it means to sift somebody as wheat. And I remember my mom when she used to put her wheat flour in her, her uh, sifter or her whatever they called it, and she'd crank this thing and it'd go through a screen and come out as finer and finer flour. I wouldn't want to be in that contraption, but that's what Satan wanted to do to Peter. And that's what Satan would like to do to any one of us because he has such hatred. He has such resentment against God. And in our minds, there's no purpose for that, but somehow in his mind there is, because he does not think straight, and uh, he's twisted because of sin and rebellion. So Jesus says to Peter, Satan has asked to sift you as wheat, but I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail, and when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. So... I wonder sometimes, maybe I don't want to know how many times Satan may have wanted to sift me or sift you as wheat, but he can't because you have been sealed with the Holy Spirit, you see. That's something we should never take for granted, Amen. that we are owned by God, we are his children, and he has done what he needed to do to protect us from adversarial forces. And it's a real protection. The Holy Spirit is vital to each and every one of us. And it's the Holy Spirit who stands for us and stands for God. 
And he stands between us and anything that would seek to harm us. And there are forces alive that seek to harm us. And forces that are much greater than we are and much more powerful than we are. So this seal by God on each and every one of us is very necessary. Because if it wasn't there and if it wasn't at work, who knows what would happen to us. So we need to be thankful. The fact that the seal that is on us, the Holy Spirit, denotes ownership. We belong to God. Secondly, it denotes protection. And that protection goes on every single day of our lives. And the third aspect of this seal that I would like to look at is that the seal denotes a down payment on the part of God. As we saw back here in uh, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13, it's a down payment on what we will eventually have. That is eternal life in a glorified body, living forever with God in his heavenly realm. So what God did is he gave us a portion of what we will eventually have. And the Holy Spirit is a small portion. It's a down payment, the scripture calls it. So when you're going to buy a car, uh, generally what you'll do is you'll put some money down. A down payment. They'll hold the car till the final sale, but it also you know, is a portion of you know, the, the total price. It's, it's a down payment that you put, and it means that you'll eventually pay the whole thing. So what God has done is He has given us the Holy Spirit as a down payment, as a small portion of what we will eventually have, a full amount of the Holy Spirit. Like I said earlier, when Jesus walked the earth, the Scripture says that He had the Holy Spirit without measure. So that means that we have the Holy Spirit with measure. Eventually, when Jesus Christ returns and we receive our, our reward, or if we die and go to the grave and then Jesus raises us out of the grave to glorified bodies and eternal life, that's when we will have the Holy Spirit without measure. Amen. So our relationship with the Holy Spirit right now is a down payment of what our relationship with the Holy Spirit will be like when we receive our reward. It goes from a minimum uh, relationship right now, a minimal relationship, to a full relationship with the Holy Spirit. Let's turn to uh, Ephesians 4 and verse 30. Ephesians 4 and verse 30. We're told here in Ephesians 4, verse 30, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. What's that mean? Well, the Holy Spirit is one of the members of the Trinity. We know that God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, one God dwelling in, uh, as, as three persons. And in our relationship with the Holy Spirit, we can somehow grieve Him. How do we do that? Well, you know, the Holy Spirit is uh, always active in our lives. He's always active in the church. He is guiding and directing the church. He's guiding and directing us in our lives every day. He's the one nudging us in the right direction. 
He's the one who nudged all the people in the congregation to come to me and say, hey, why don't we do a good thing for Matthew? Now, to grieve the Holy Spirit would have been to say, well, no, uh, I don't think we're going to do that. <laughs> the Holy Spirit's trying to lead us in one direction, and we're going to dig in our heels and say, no, uh, I don't think that's a good idea. No, he wants us to follow his lead as he nudges us. He wants us to respond because he's always trying to get us to do good things, the things that are according to God's will. That's what the Holy Spirit is all about. So he says here, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. Notice, with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. So the sealing that has taken place on each and every one of us as we've been sealed by God, it's in, in anticipation of the day of redemption, the day of salvation, the day of Jesus' return, the day of the fulfillment and culmination of everything. So in the meantime, until we, that day comes and we receive that full reward, we have been given an amount of the Holy Spirit. He's with us in somewhat a limited way. And of course, you know, we kind of control that too because we need to be in union with the Holy Spirit as He's leading us and nudging us on a daily basis the more we respond to him in a positive way, I think the more he gets himself involved in our lives. Amen. So we can grieve the Holy Spirit on a daily basis, which we shouldn't do. We should walk in tune with the Holy Spirit. But notice we've been given the Holy Spirit, perhaps in somewhat a limited way right now, for the day of redemption. Because when that day comes, our relationship with the Holy Spirit will be 100% just as it was with Jesus when he walked the earth. Amen. You know, a while back, I gave a sermon, I don't know if you remember it, but it was talking about our engagement to Jesus. How we are in a, a, a state of engagement, anticipating a wedding that's going to take place upon Jesus' return, and a great wedding banquet that will take place at that time. Jesus is the bridegroom, the church is the bride. The bride is getting herself ready right now. And uh, I talked about the Jewish tradition of a couple when they are engaged that the bridegroom or the male will send his betrothed love gifts. Just little tokens, little reminders uh, that he still loves her and it's just kind of an, a portion of what she's going to have in the future. You know, I, I always think of our engagement ring. You know, when uh, we got engaged, we went out and I bought my wife an engagement ring. So every time she looked at that ring, she knew that I was committed and that this was just a portion of the great wealth she would have <laughs> in our marriage. And you know, <laughs> Whenever she looked at that engagement ring, of course, I would always hold up a magnifying glass when she looked at it to make it look a little bigger than we could afford, you know, because we could only afford a real small diamond. It was a portion. It was a, a, a down payment, if you will, on my love for her and what we would eventually have as the years went by, you know, as God blessed us with more and more things. But of course, we know that, that that won't be totally fulfilled until Jesus returns and we receive our big reward, which Scripture says, eye has not seen, ear has not heard, 
even has entered into the, into the heart of, of man, what the Lord has planned for us. You can't even put it into words. But the Holy Spirit is a down payment. Whatever the Holy Spirit is for us now, and it should be many things, as we've seen here today. You know, it identifies who we are, whose will be for all eternity. It, it gives us protection now and, you know, into, into the future. It's a down payment of God's love for us. And uh, it's a down payment. It's a small amount of what God has promised us and the future fulfillment that uh, will unfold for us in the future. Turn with me uh, one last scripture here, 2 Corinthians 1. Second Corinthians 1, beginning in verse 20. It's talking about God's promises to us. And you know, when God makes a promise to us, He doesn't waver. It's always, yes, for sure. I am promising you this, and it will be fulfilled. He says in verse 20 of Second Corinthians 1, For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. There's no doubts. God never reneges on his promises. It's yes and because of Jesus Christ and what he has done for us. He has uh, restored the relationship between us and God. And because of Jesus and his sacrifice for us, everything that God has promised will come to pass. He says, and so through him, the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. So whatever God promises us, whatever God tells us about our life today and in the future, we say, amen, Lord, amen. We know you're going to bring it to pass. Verse 21, now it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. He anointed us, set his seal of ownership on us, and put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. So this promise that God has made us, this future that he ensures us will happen, we don't have to doubt it, ever. And we, we never need to think either that we're not going to be able to deserve it somehow. We're not going to be good enough. We're not going to rate with God to, to fully receive this reward, no. Because of Jesus Christ, it's ours. Because it's not our work that accomplished it. It's the work of Jesus Christ and the grace of God that accomplished it. Amen. So when God says, uh, gives us a promise of what's to come and what our reward's going to be, all we can say is, amen. Because God has already said yes to it. Because it's not based on our production. It's not based on our accomplishments. Future fulfillment is not dependent on you, but it's dependent on God's faithfulness. And we know God to be a faithful God. He's going to return. We're going to receive that wedding gift. The great marriage is going to take place and the great wedding supper that we're all going to enjoy together. All of us and all Christians who have ever lived and died. So the Holy Spirit is very important to each and every one of us. And don't neglect the purpose that He serves in each of our lives, not just the church, 
but in each of our individual lives. Having the Holy Spirit is a seal from God that denotes ownership. We belong to Him and we always will. Secondly, the Holy Spirit is a seal that denotes protection. And I think we need it much more than we can ever imagine because God's enemies are all about us doing their deeds. But even behind the scenes, we're being protected in a powerful way. And finally, the Holy Spirit is a seal that is a down payment promising us the future fulfillment and all of the promise that God has made to us. So let's be thankful and rejoice and give God thanks for the seal of His Holy Spirit. Lord, thank you so much for opening our minds to the scriptures today. Many of these things happen behind the scenes that we can't even imagine how we're protected and what we need to be protected from. But you know that those things are real and we are powerless. So thank you, Father, for being our God, watching over us continually and providing all the things that we need. We're so proud to be your children, to have your name and your seal on us. And Father, we know too that what you've given us now is only a down payment on what we will eventually possess and what we will possess for all eternity. A future that the human mind cannot even imagine. That's why you didn't go into much detail in explaining it to us. We couldn't even fathom what it's going to be like. But we know that it's going to be great. And we know that it's going to be beyond uh, description. And we know that we're going to have it not because of what we've done to deserve it, but because of your grace, your mercy, your goodness, and your love. We want you to know, Father, that we love you very much, and we always will. Help us to give praise and thanks to be the kind of children that you'll be pleased with. And thank you, Holy Spirit, for all of the work that you do behind the scenes. And Jesus Christ, we thank you for your sacrifice for our sins and for being our Savior. In all these things, we praise you and offer up our praise in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Amen.